0: Ohio, are you on? I am. I'm on a sea of surrendering. A sea of surrendering. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to think of one, one day. Um, but right now, it's too early in the morning. I, I appreciate that you're on your game already. I, I'm not even close to my game, so... Well,
1: I cheat,
0: and I think of these ahead of time. Oh, well, see, that gives me the context I need. And that's what we're all about here at Geocaching Scripture. Geocaching Scripture Season 4. Geocaching, again, is this, uh, what did I used to call it, a rarefied sport hobby of, um, it's kind of a geek game where you find these geocaches, these little treasures uh, that you might find in a park or on a hike or something like that. And you go find one, and the the joy is in the finding. Um, And it's just a little treasure that changes everything. Um, And that's kind of what we're doing as we approach Scripture. Little teeny parts of Scripture, a little language, a little history, that kind of thing, that uh, changes the way we may look at it. And I think my favorite thing to do is, you know, sort of turn the traditional interpretation of something on its head. Um, That's that's always fun for me. Uh, I don't know about you, but... Uh, anyway, oh,
1: I love that's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's one well, number one, it's a learning experience for for me, and and number two, it's like I want to know, I want to know what it's really saying. Absolutely,
0: yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of letting the Bible speak for itself uh, to say what it's going to say, and sometimes you know what it says is kind of hard to uh, hard to fit into your theology theology or interpretation, and then. That usually means there's a problem with your theology or interpretation. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, as you know, in my history, we had to throw out our theology. So um, once you do that once, you realize you're open to whatever the Scripture really says.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you're open to researching to make sure that it says what it says. <laughs>
0: you you do your homework from then on. Yes. Yes, yes.
1: You- you don't listen to an individual you look at the uh you look at the historical context and you listen to the spiritual fathers mm-hmm. i would call them
0: yeah the whole chorus of of yeah. interpretive history i i have a i'm teaching a class at church called uh cover to cover where we are we're reading the the whole bible through in a in a summer and um I have, uh, there's a gal in that class who's, who's kind of new to the Bible. She's, she's been a person of faith for a long time, but she's sort of just digging into the Bible in this kind of intense way, um, for the first time in her life. And she's, uh, you know, my age, middle-aged and, um, she, uh, she said, what I need is another class for somebody to tell me what this all means. Mm. (laughs) And I was like, no, no, no. It was like yeah. okay, maybe maybe from a lot of sources, not just uh, that's yeah, just not one, just one, guy. one source. You know, because you you find you can find that guy. Go on the internet for two minutes, and you can find somebody who wants to tell you everything the Bible means. <laughs> so.
1: Been there, done that, my friend. Yeah,
0: we'll yeah. do that again. No. So now, today, I have a question for you. Did, so, did you ever have that one kid growing up who exaggerated everything? <laughs> Or were you that kid? Yeah, yeah, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah. I, I never. I forget the the one story he kept talking about how he uh, he wrestled an alligator to save his sister, and uh, and he talked about it all the time. And uh, finally, I talked to his mother about it, and uh, what he did is he pulled a lizard
0: off of her leg. <laughs> I love that story very much. I <laughs> <coughs> he wrestled an alligator, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, it kind of looked
0: like one, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, sort of in a evolutionary family tree kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, wow! What a what a brave brave young man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a buddy growing up who, um, I met. I moved a lot, and I and I met him when we met, we were 13, and then we were just inseparable after that, but, um, and he, he had some stories, you know, it was a lot of, uh, he had kissed every girl in the world, and he had the stories to prove it, um, usually starting out, you know, framed by something like, when my family was on vacation in Canada, you know, um, it was all, always in, in Canada or someplace, you know, where, you know, the other side of the world that was difficult to verify, um, (laughs) But yeah, he had some story about uh, um, uh, a girl who had jumped over uh, a tennis tennis net into his arms um, mm. in the dark. And that was, mm. all of that seems flawed. But at the time, you know, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. It yeah. worked. It had the desired effect.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, because we do spend a lot of our time in the dark on tennis courts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: not near as much time as I spent thinking about 13 year old girls and, and how much I wanted them to like, look at me with both eyes. Um, you know, um, yeah, most of them in the world, besides like my cousins and my sister did not know that I was there breathing oxygen. (laughs) (laughs) So, well now I want to, I want to tell you about exaggeration because exaggeration is, is one of the wonderful things. So, A few summary images of exaggeration. Um, An old woman kneading a lump of dough as big as a sleeping bag. Huge lump of dough, big as a cushion on a couch. Big hands. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. Um, A mustard seed, hardly a speck, growing into a gigantic tree, uh, when they usually grow into like a shrub. Um, Or a flower. Or a flower. Right, right. See, five episodes ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, a woman cleaning her house, finding a $100 bill, and throwing a party to celebrate that costs her much more than $100. Um, or a farmhand making the economically idiotic decision to chase down a sheep and leave the other 99 sheep in danger. So, yeah, that
1: makes sense, because that way the wil- wolves can have their pick. Well.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you don't want to make it hard on the wolves.
1: Uh, (laughs) now i can see him doing that if he's got the other 99 safe but yeah
0: (laughs) yeah and that's so these are these are of course familiar images um and they come out of the parables of jesus um and jesus spoke in parables almost all the time uh which is interesting so he sort of acted in miracles and he spoke in parables um, to an almost absurd amount and sort of drove people crazy. Um,
1: no, we are not saying that Jesus was absurd or idiotic. We are simply talking about a type of <laughs> language and storytelling that he used. Exactly, just, exactly. Just to
0: clarify just to, a, our,
1: to our 12 listeners. You know, I just short, want them to know.
0: <laughs> let the reader understand. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the... <laughs> <laughs> So the parables are ridiculous, and that's one of the wonderful things about them. And it's and it's hard to know that if you don't know some of the context. Um, the way that Jesus talks about the dough that the lady kneads out and puts um, yeast through, um, and um, the way that the the lady who uh, finds the silver coin. Well, the silver yeah. coin she found is about a day's wage. Yeah. Um, you know, and if I found a hundred bucks, I'd be thrilled. Um, but I doubt that I would have all my neighbors over and throw a big old party and, you know, cook ribs and serve beer and, you know, <laughs> blow a hundred bucks in about 20 minutes. Um, yeah,
1: so. yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Exactly, yeah. So. Well, and it's interesting because didn't the disciples even ask him, why, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you telling these stories that nobody can figure out?
0: Why do you keep talking this way, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> And there, and it's, and it wasn't as though you know parables weren't around; they were around, um, and and sometimes rabbis and others used um, used them to teach. But the way Jesus used them was bizarre, um, yeah, and and really attention-getting. And and what it is, it draws our eyes toward the sort of weird and wild kingdom of God, um, where the grace outweighs sin grace outweighs uh pain grace outweighs uh damage uh, to an absurd degree
1: um yeah that makes sense josh because i mean as as you say that i'm thinking about the woman who finds a coin
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and uh yeah it would be absurd to do what she did or what, you know, what the parable says she did, that she throws a big party. Mm-hmm. But if it's about the kingdom, well, then it makes sense, because she wants everybody to celebrate what she has just found out about
0: mm-hmm. the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I think some of it, too, you know, reflects back to God as a woman who found the coin, um, because mm-hmm. there's a focus on the joy of the finder. Um not so much on the on how the logic of it all cracks out, yeah, but on the feeling behind it. So, uh, and isn't great, there a
1: scripture that talks about um, there is great rejoicing in heaven whenever a sinner is brought to repentance?
0: Right, right. So, so it's, yeah, that's that concept. Massive yeah. party uh, when one of you know trillions of people makes a decision that trillions of other people have made, and it's you yeah. know. It's just like, okay, in, in heaven is there, like, bells going off, like, every ten seconds? Like, there's another yeah. one. You know. <laughs> and every one of them is a celebration. It never
1: becomes old. It never becomes a uh, road. It's just, it's every single one is a celebration. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's absurd, you know? And mm-hmm. in a sense, um, like, and I love that, that, uh, that parables aren't just um, aren't just gorgeous theological stories. They aren't just traditional blueprints for what the kingdom of God is. They are the punchline of the joke. You know, yeah, um, yeah, that that Jesus is is doing something that probably would have made his original audience laugh, um, mm-hmm. and but it, it, quite intentionally, with no yeah. no surprise that they were they were reacting that way. So, let me let me read one real quick. Matthew 13:44. <laughs> Very short passage. Matthew 13:44. Um the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, right? And that's one I've mm-hmm. run run across before, but it appears to be a story of ancient near eastern real estate fraud. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, what is going on here? Why would why would Jesus be applauding that person? Right.
1: Yeah, because if he's be like, if like you buy a house or you're you're buying a house, and you go up in the attic and you find a treasure chest that was owned by the previous owner, and uh, they forgot, and you quickly seal the deal, so yeah. you get that treasure chest. Yeah, we'll That's take little... it. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, that's a little, um, sleazy, unethical. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. It, it It's interesting to me, like, to think like, okay, is Jesus a pro- plotting real estate fraud? Is he like, yeah, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like larceny, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think, but you take a step back from it and you see like, okay. Jesus is telling us how the kingdom of God feels to find, right? Mm. He's not telling us, go go lie to people. He's saying, it's that lucky. It's that kind of thing. It's like finding a briefcase full of money in a vacant house. The kingdom of God is like finding a winning lotto ticket in the pocket of a thrift store suit. Mm. Right? It is that kind of, you know... It's almost like, you know, when... Uh, when somebody goes, oh, that was a gimme. Uh, you know, that was a gimme. I can't believe I got away with yeah. that, you know? Yeah. Um, but I I think that's, that's part of the idea, is that the kingdom of God is that absurdly uh, out of nowhere. It's that absurdly unexpected.
1: So you used the words earlier, the wild and weird. So basically mm-hmm. what you're saying is wild and weird to show the wonder.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How wonderful it is. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. He uses
1: strange ways to show how wonderful it is. Well, strange ways to us today, but probably, as you said, they spoke in parables frequently, so it would not have been considered a strange way to describe it, perhaps as strange back then as it is today to us.
0: Right, right. Uh, I think Jesus' use of parables was, was even more exaggerated. There's actually a parable that was going around at the time um, and I, and I, I forget the source where it appears, but the, the parable essentially says like, there was a, a shepherd who lost a sheep and it was his biggest and favorite sheep. And when he found the sheep, he said, I love you more than all the others because you are, you know, big and perfect. Um, and Jesus perhaps was undercutting that exact story and saying, no, this is a parable about a stupid sheep. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Wonder one who wandered away.
0: Right, right, and uh, a sheep that we, as far as we know, has no distinctive qualities on the others, um, other than the shepherd who's looking for it. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Right, right, beautiful. Jesus is getting across the feeling of connecting with God and His people, rather than giving out blatant answers. He try he invites us to try and understand, right? It's, it's an invitation to engagement rather than here's exactly how this goes. Um, it is, um, more of a, here's, here's how this sort of looks. Um, it's almost like an adjacent story, um, to the whole thing.
1: So the whole, co- the whole point is you're making is that, uh, he is showing the wonder Or as you said, the wild and the weird and the wonder of the kingdom of God.
0: Pax Humana. Cheers.